What's up? Welcome to Codependent and Shit, Conscious Dating and Relating from a Former Crazy Girl. What's up, guys? It's Ash. I'm back with another episode, like I promised. Trying to be very consistent right now um, in a lot of areas of my life. So, what's up? Consistency. <laughs> Seriously, though, hope you guys are doing well. Um... Uh, I'm in California, and um, there's a lot of fires. Everything's on fire in Oregon, California. Um, it's pretty fucked up. Um, one of the fires is started by a gender reveal, which is so fucked up. Like, what? Why do people think they need an explosive device to do a gender reveal? Like, it's a boy, and you're an asshole. Why did you have to do that? Why? Like, what happened to, like, cutting into a cake, and it's, like, blue or pink, you know? Why, why, with the explosives, I'm not, uh, I don't get it, it's really stupid, and now we've lost a lot of nature, and, I mean, more than that, everything, things are burning because of this shit, that baby's gender is burning down shit, (laughs) it's crazy, no, really, um, sending my love and prayers to all the people that are affected by the fires, the air, luckily, like, where I'm at, I'm not really affected by fire, but, the air is just really bad. Can't even really see the sky. It's just smoky. It looks cloudy, but it's really hot. It's very apocalypse, so it's that's actually really fitting for right now. Um, and the sun looks like the apocalypse sun. If there was an apocalypse sun, it's happening. So that's, it's, you know, it just, it fits with 2020. So here we are. Who knows what's next? I'm waiting for the zombies. One of those happening. I've been ready for zombies for a long time. Seriously, though, do you guys have zombie plans? Because I always make a zombie plan. And now I'm moving, so I'm going to have to have a new zombie plan. So I'm going to have to think about this. See, this is important things. When you move, do you have your zombie apocalypse plan in in effect, in line? Like, are you, are you really prepared? Like, seriously. <laughs> really, though. All right. So for this week... I'm going to touch on some really good topics that I reached out to listeners. I was like, on my on the Instagram, I was like, yo, what do you want to hear about? Because um, I'm really basing the show around writing, people either writing, writing some stuff. You want to hear your specific story. You can share a story, a situation, whatever. And I will address it. I will talk about it. I will give my objective expertise on I'm not an expert, but I'm my objective um, take on it as someone who's very well versed in codependency. I'm also gonna start offering some sort of I'm still figuring it out um, something for people to be able to work with me more directly, or even just subscribe to something where I'm able to help more directly monthly. Nothing crazy, but just uh, just to be of service in more ways than just this podcast, but. I will discuss those details later. Um, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and get started. So the, one of the first things someone wrote to me about was healing codependency and being okay with loneliness and loss of friends. So I talk about healing codependency so much in this show. And to me, what I 
I just circle back on and that the most important fundamental part of healing codependency is developing a healthy, strong foundation within the self, a healthy relationship with the self. And I, uh, I strongly advise that with this, you also are developing a strong relationship with your higher power. Whatever you feel is God for you, um, really taking care of that relationship as well. Because this, from my experience, and I went through all the things, the woo-woo, spiritual um, stuff, to now where I'm at with Christ. Um, The fundamental part of it all was uh, having a relationship with my higher power. I've never been able to stay away from addictions, except when I finally had God in my life. So, like you, maybe you've never tried that. That's why in um, 12-step programs, that's part of the steps, is to establish a relationship with your higher power. This shit works to keep you out of addiction because addiction is literally the hardest one. It has to be the hardest thing, I think, to to break. And the only way I was ever able to stop with different addictions I've had was with God. And so your higher power, man, have that. And with that... Obviously, there is some footwork that you have to do yourself and some unpacking you have to do yourself. And I talk about that in so many episodes on here. So if you want to go back, re-listen, we're unpacking um, stuff from the past. And that's past relationships. Um, Important, but even more important, your earliest relationships in your life, which is your relationship with your caregivers. Whether that was your parents or maybe you were raised by a grandparent, whoever was primarily around you. And looking at those relationships and correlating perhaps that your relationship struggles now, no matter if they're romantic or friendship, any type. If you're having struggles with relating to people in a healthy way, um, the really important work is in unpacking where we learned to relate to people to begin with which was in your earliest years of your life and that's where we start developing beliefs and patterns and we're replaying things and your subconscious mind is is controlling is 90 percent of your mind so a lot of this stuff is unconscious but the fact that you're sitting here listening to this and you want to do the work is you trying to make um those things conscious like i've said also before The way you can see what you're doing subconsciously is not in what you're thinking because you could think anything you want. You could think, like, I'm a prince of Egypt, and you're not. But you (laughs) pay attention to your actions. It's like, for example, if you say, I want a relationship, I want a relationship, I want love, but when love presents itself, you push love away and you run from love. What is your action saying? It says, you're not. You don't want love. And that is your subconscious playing out. So pay attention to the actions. Um, and like I've said, like healing codependency is, is, is such a journey. I would, I would advise anyone, if you can afford it or if you have insurance, to work with a therapist or um, anyone where you're really going into this. Uh, trauma therapy, always, always, I always support that. EMDR get in on that emdr is great and that is some that is some deep shit but there's also conscious work you can do you can do on your own time and that is just coming to terms with like hey i learned to believe xyz about myself and then it started 
playing out in my life or I never got this certain love and attention from maybe one of your parents and maybe you seek out potential romantic partners that are very similar they make you feel that same way you if you were rejected as a child a lot if you were abandoned you like to seek out partners well you don't like to but you do it (laughs) that make you feel abandoned and rejected because you're used to that that is your you're like addicted to it on some level you're addicted to the way it makes your nervous system feel and you are just replaying out this same story because on some level, you, there's a it, you want to heal it. You think these people are going to help you heal it. I'm going on a whole tangent out of what I wanted to talk about. I will talk in all day, <clears throat> in out all the way around. If the the most important, like integral part of healing codependency was just building a strong foundation within the self and creating boundaries, identifying who you even are. What do you like? What do you, what are you feeling? What do things make you feel? Like these are all, it sounds silly, but this is things that we struggle with. People that have codependent tra- uh, tendencies, we're so used to, maybe you were raised in a overly meshed family unit like I was, where you're just kind of a blob family. It's kind of like the blob relationship I, I talked about in the last episode. And so you don't really even know how to identify your own feelings because you're so used to having to identify with everyone in your house's feelings. And so it's been a process for me to even know what emotions I'm truly feeling. I could think I'm just mad or or why I'm even mad. I don't I it's been a process for me to even be able to like, "Oh, I'm sad. Oh, I'm sad about this, not this." You know, it's a process. So working with the self and having this very present relationship with the self with god with knowing what is okay what's a deal breaker for you with friendships with relationships what are the boundaries where is it the line drawn where someone if someone does this you're like no and you have to stick to the boundaries as well that is part of the work is sticking to the boundaries and if you grew up with no boundaries and you're not used to the concept it is going to feel so uncomfortable and I always I still second guess myself I less than I used to but every time I draw a boundary I would think am I doing the right thing am I a bad person you know that's normal that is so normal this is new for you so the strong foundation within the self and overall you are just going to be less attached to people in all ways once you do this, once you start to feel this within yourself and you cultivating this relationship with yourself, with, with your own hobbies, with your own interests, with your own goals, and, it's, and you're not just focused on getting love from a romantic partner or um, not being alone. Um, that's something important too, is being able to be alone. I'm like, I don't think you need to go be an introvert, but being able to have alone time I'm sure you know those people, and I do too, they just can't be alone, you know, they're like, if they don't have a, a significant other, they're those friends that are calling you, they're blowing you up because they are chilling at home alone because they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and they just like seriously can't be alone, like that is, that's codependent, that's not healthy, um, alone time is healthy, and everyone needs to recharge, and it's empowering and it helps build that relationship and that foundation to to do things alone and um 
even going to do things like go out to eat, I don't think it's weird. It's not weird. It's not fucking weird. I'm so over people thinking that's weird. It's not weird. And those are things that honestly help you be like, yo, I like me. We good. We out here and we good. So, but yes, the higher power thing is also extremely important. And I'm going to say that all day. It has been such a, that is the such an, an it's like, I don't know how we could do this work without it. So that's my opinion. I don't know if there's atheists out here, out there with a podcast about this that are saying you don't need God, but you know, I think you need God. So, um, I do want to say on the second part of what this uh, listener wrote in is being okay with the loneliness and loss of friends. When you start to heal, you are going to lose friends. You are going to have a shift in the people in your life. And there may be a strong, not strong, but long, there could be a good amount of time where you aren't really, you don't have a ton of friends because you're not going to just make friends overnight not how it works and making friends is actually pretty hard especially right now because we can't even like do half the shit we used to do but um it's it's okay um and it's part of the process this is something I've been going through for years um and actually like last year my a good portion of my old friend group that I still had like um I still was I was still friends with I would hang out with them but it was is dwindling completely lost contact I don't talk to my old best friend I don't all these people fell out of my life and I I don't even honestly I don't care because I'm like a different person than when I became friends with those people and we just don't even line up anymore so that's what I'm getting at is it's inevitable when you start to heal um codependent patterns you're gonna lose friends because you're changing and you're evolving and you're showing up in a new way in your life and like any relationship it doesn't matter if it's a friendship if it's a anything you're the, if you're relating to someone regularly and you have some sort of relationship this is a dance of two people if it's a consistent like you see each other a lot you're involved in each other's lives it's a dance so if you change the way you're dancing you change the dance your partner, your friend, whatever, is either going to match the dance or or they're going to bounce. They're going to fall away because they might not like this dance no mo. And if they don't like the dance no mo, that shows something for you because you're becoming a a better version of yourself. You're becoming a more healed version of yourself. And if someone in your life doesn't want to, isn't jiving with you as this better, like healed, less wounded version, what does that mean? What does that mean? They were, they were, they had more in common with your wounded self. Maybe you were a little more of a, a, like a doormat for them. Maybe you were more just, they might've been benefiting from you being wounded. This is when we can start talking about codependency and friendships because they totally exist. Me personally, I haven't talked about it much on the show because I haven't really, um, I've probably had codependent friendships and I just don't realize it, but it's been, codependency just tends to show up more in romantic relationships and it's more noticed because we're pretty like romantically obsessed. That's just the way we are. It's human nature. We all want to love and fuck. Oh my God. Sorry. (laughs) We do. And, um, 
but your friends can totally, you can be codependent with your friends. And it's like the, the dynamic where you could be a blob friendship where you guys kind of like you're over enmeshed with your friend. You have a best friend, you're overly enmeshed. Or the dynamic of one best friend is always overextending for the other and it's kind of one-sided or you might feel obligated that you always have to pick up your best friend's phone call and she's or he's just always going through it and there's just always wanting to emotionally dump on you and vent and obviously we should be there for our friends when we can but this is the thing if it's happening all the time you just like don't even have the emotional space this is why you have to have boundaries and be like you know what I just don't have space for this right now I cannot sit here and I can do this for right now I love you and I care for you but I can't and there is nothing wrong with having emotional boundaries this is so important in relationships um that is like the most common dynamic I'd say with for a codependent friendship it's just like, you know, a lack of boundaries and a one-sidedness and kind of just the caretaking also. Care- overly caretaking. If one friend is overly caretaking and the other doesn't really do that, that's, that's a, a, would be considered a, co-dyna- a codependent dynamic. Um, but like I said, if the friends go away when the wounded version of you is going away what does that say about them and um it's a really got a question is this person getting some sort of supply from you being a mess maybe it makes them feel better maybe maybe the old version of you was like it fluffed their ego they're like damn i could be so much worse you know you don't oh her her his her life such a shit show look at me you know you never know but if you healing is making people fall away it is for the better and it is it is it's written because they just are not meant to be in your life you are evolving and healing and misery loves company don't ever forget that that applies to friendships so much think about it here's something to think about with your friendships pay attention to what you talk about with your friends when you go out when you do whatever and is it a lot of shit talking do they just talk shit on people because this is what i had to realize was if they're shocking shit when they're with you, they probably talk shit on you when you're not there because that's all they do. That's all they have to talk about is talking shit. These aren't these aren't healthy people. You don't want to be hanging out with people that talk about negative bullshit all the time anyways. I don't, at least. I want to hang out with people that want to talk about interesting, cool things or ideas and goals and, I don't know, just things that are productive stimulating just pay attention to what the people talk about the context of their life and their activities because I personally don't want to be spending my time with people that just go get drunk all the time either like they have no hobbies that have like no things they do for themselves it's just like go out and get drunk um find a new boyfriend or girlfriend and get drunk it's just like that and that's a lot of people sorry but I don't support it don't support having friends like that if you're healing and evolving and those people are falling out of your life this is good and it is lonely it is lonely to lose friends and to have periods of solitude but it's a great time to cultivate your own hobbies and interests like 
anything, anything. Even think back to childhood if you need to. What was I really into as a kid that I might have stopped? Um, we all have talents and interests that a lot of us just don't even, we don't take the time to even try to uncover. And it's, that's who you are, these things. It's, uh, it's one of the best things about life is to have these things and to be so, you're going to be so present when you realize these hobbies that you love. It could be drawing, sewing, knitting, I don't know, dude, underwater basket weaving. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> find out what that shit is and do it. And um, middle ground time when you are, friendships are leaving your life, anything's leaving your life, is a great time to work on these things and think about it. So, the next topic that was mentioned was trauma and self-healing with potential partners so little backstory we will just call her she she ended an abusive marriage and doesn't want to end up with another wounded man however she doesn't know how to go about appropriately addressing these topics and asking potential partners the right questions this is so good this is good this is so good but here's what i want to say i don't really think there's such thing as asking the right questions because talk is so cheap um and if I've learned anything in the last years of dating it's that people or at least men because I've been dating men will say anything I am not kidding they will fucking they will say anything they will spit bullshit and I hear this from my sister my friends that date they will tell you any bullshit they will lie they will anything that just makes them look like you know picture perfect like they have great intentions they're this great person like don't believe words talk is so cheap so um i don't think there's really such things asking the right questions obviously it's important to ask questions in the beginning but the only thing that will help you decipher if a person is healthy or is not super wounded is time like any dating scenario I believe should take time I'm the more I'm like starting to experience my own life and dating is the more I realize that I don't I think it's super rare that two people jump into a relationship super fast and they stay in it I think usually that's a toxic relationship where two people were just looking to kind of just fill the void and it was not about authentic love it's like love addiction and lust and this like you know let's bypass all the get to knowing each other and just fall in we're in love we're in love um and then usually all the real issues or the real people start to surface within a few months and then they're like, oh my god, I don't even like you, I hate you, holy shit, I didn't realize you were a psychopath, you're a liar, you were a cokehead, you know, there's all these things you didn't really know about this person. So, time. The slow, what's wrong with the slow burn? Why when we date do we think we need to like jump into like commitment, like get to know someone because you don't know someone for a while guys there's no way there's no way in a few months you know someone um someone in my life just made this mistake i'm just gonna tell a little backstory she met someone off an app and she moved in with him with her baby and with it i'm talking within like a month and we were playing house it was like and i was like 
uh, this is red flaggy, but you know what? Like maybe it'll work out, but it didn't. And he's turned out to be like nothing like this person he portrayed. Low key, like pathological liar, definitely is using cocaine drinks, um, every day, like straight alcoholic, like, and he masked a lot of it really well. He was really good at faking, and um, I feel like it seemed obvious the relationship failed because he can no longer, like, really keep up the act because it wasn't even who he really was. And she moved in thinking he was this person. He wasn't. And this is why we have to be so careful of, of rushing into things with people because people that are willing to move that fast, we have to realize without trying to insult anyone, to move so fast, you have to have kind of poor... Um, emotional boundaries because it's just not practical that you're gonna meet a stranger and be like I'm in love I'm to where I'm gonna move in with you I'm gonna bring my children around you that's where I definitely draw the line is when you're getting the kids involved uh uh-uh no 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 you definitely should be taking it slow if you have children um because that's a whole you're bringing other people's lives into this now so Time. The only way to really address or assess, I'm sorry, whether someone is um, healthy or a good fit is, is over time. And this is gradual. It's a slow burn. And it's okay. It's a good burn. Because that's how I think really healthy love is built. It's a slow burn. We burn, baby burn, which is burn. But this whole um, concept in question made me think of some warning signs to look out for in early dating. So I put together a nice little list that I felt like was very, it's true. It's very true. So here's your warning signs to look out for in early dating. Are they all going to be like, if, if they have one of these warning signs, they are a piece of shit. Don't talk to them anymore. No, but please don't use that as an excuse right now. If, if they are shitty, um, (coughs) excuse me. Um, these are just, I would just, I would just, you know, throw up some flags and start paying attention if you catch if these things. So, number one, I've talked about this before, immediate adoration and love bombing. If you meet someone and they are saying all the most romantic, beautiful things you've ever had someone say, they are just, it's like Prince Charming wrote the script for them. Like, and they're talking about how they think you're the one already and they've never felt this way. And it's like so early on. This is a red flag. This is a red flag. I know it seems so endearing. And it's it's like, oh my god, everyone loves getting attention and hearing things like that. But talk is cheap. Like I said, guys will say anything. Anything. Ladies, anything. They will say it. All of it. And it's not practical. People don't. It's not practical for someone to feel that strongly that fast it's it's not authentic they don't know you yet they don't you don't know them yet so don't be saying that shit to them either because there's no way you mean that you don't know them yet um second warning is oversharing personal life details too soon this is just textbook sign of poor emotional boundaries like if you ever gone on a date with someone and they just tell you like their life story like the deepest darkest secrets of their life or like just everyone's got a a past some of us it's a little more colorful than others but if someone's 
got a very colorful past and they're just spilling out, you know, maybe they were an ex-convict. Maybe they have three baby mamas, baby, whatever. And they're just spilling all the details on your like first date or like anywhere in the beginning. This is kind of, it's a red flag because it's just, it's a poor demonstration of boundaries we just it's it's just a red flag this is an emotional dumper already this person's already doing this they don't care they don't have any you know there's just no I don't even know how to word it there's just I I wouldn't do that I hope you guys wouldn't either all of these apply to you too if you're listening don't be an overshare on a first and initial dating it takes time to get to know people we don't need to dump our entire our, our baggage on them right away. Don't do that. Okay. Um, next one, undersharing and only wanting to know about you. This is a narcissist red flag. Um, they won't tell you much about themselves. See, there's a good middle ground of like getting to know someone that's like healthy. Okay. Healthy attachment. It's like we're sharing things, but we're not going to like go into the fucking all the skeletons in the closet, but we might, you know, touch on unlike some worms worms I don't know where that came from you know you could share you could share your life but pay attention if your date if if this guy or this girl is oh wants to know all about you and doesn't want to know doesn't want to tell you shit about them be uh watchful of that that's an that's just a typical narcissist thing from what I've learned so another red flag has a kid or kids they do not have custody with or are not involved with. This is big, okay? Um, I understand there are situations where people lose custody. Um, and I would just make sure you get a, get the backstory on why that is. Because it's kind of... There usually has to be good reason why a parent loses custody of a kid. Um, because... A lot of courts, they're gonna, they want the, they, the court wants your kid to have both parents. They'll usually, like, girls a lot of times will fight for um, the dads not to be able to have custody. And in, in, at least in California, um, California is a dad state, that's what we're known for, is that, like, the, the court wants the dads involved. So your dad has to, the dad has to be a pretty, pretty big piece of shit for the court to, to um, appoint that here. And that's probably the case in a lot of places. So, I would get a background story on why. Like for me, I was I had met someone not too long ago, and he told me he didn't have full he didn't have physical custody of his daughter, and I was like, I need to know why. Like, get the story. And there's nothing wrong with wanting the story right up front. If you, especially if you have kids too, if you're a parent, you get why this matters. Um, or if they have kids they're not involved with, no, bye. And if you don't care about that, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. I don't agree with you. It's not okay. Um, dating. It's crazy how many people I see, though. Like, girls that are with deadbeat dads. Like, why? I could never. No. If they have a kid and they're not involved with the kid, just imagine what could happen if you have a baby with this person and that they, you know, there's a good chance they're not going to be a parent to your kid either. Why are you special? They don't have... They're missing a love... A part of love there. The fact that you can have a, an offspring out there and not give a fuck. <clears throat> so, now I'm going to touch back on the next warning sign is 
Was, is were your words not matching your actions? Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this because actions are really the only language that matters. Because like I said, words are just words and men especially will just spit bullshit all the time. Anytime. They just won't tell you what you want to hear. Pay attention to the actions. Watch the actions, not the words. However the fuck I need to word it. Remember this, okay? Don't listen to the words. Don't get hung up on the the cutesy words and romantic stuff because it's not what means it. It's what they're doing. What do they do? And my next red flag is hot and cold behavior. You can sense this in someone pretty early on. Um, I don't think that's a reason to write someone off, but I would just mentally prepare yourself that this person's probably not going to be the most, you know, consistent, um, securely attached person. It's probably going to be, it's going to be a little more difficult to work with, but maybe you like the person and you're willing to work with it. If they're not a total shitty human I I don't think you need to write them off for being hot and cold. You can work through this shit. Everyone's got their attachment styles. But just, you know, you'll be able you can tell that really fast. You can tell people's attachment styles pretty fast. Um and I swear it's usually they're over overattached or they're very aloof and they're they're distant. Or you get a mix of both. You get the hot and cold. It's so fun. No. <laughs> so those are my um warning signs like I said take it with a grain of salt um it's just stuff to pay attention to and if you're getting and oh here's one I definitely need to mention a recovering addict I don't want to offend anyone I have dated so many addicts I have struggled with um abusing drugs as well in the past I I would not get involved with someone who hasn't been clean for like at least, I don't even, maybe two plus, two plus years, maybe more. Like, um, if you meet someone and they're like, I'm clean six months, I'm going to just straight up, don't, don't, don't. They are too fragile still. They are, it's, it's such, they're on rocky, rocky territory that early in, in, um, recovery. It's just, it is what it is. I'm sorry. It is. So I wouldn't go down that path with a uh, recovering addict unless they have years under their belt of sobriety, for real. Because especially if you identify as codependent, you attract addicts. Addicts love codependents. It is cl- it's a, another classic duo. So you have to be careful. You're probably listening to this like, oh my god, yeah, my last three boyfriends were addicts. Yep, we don't need to be dating them. We don't really. I mean, if you want to, but you also need to check yourself and be like, do I just like to fix, try to fix people? Because that's, that's part of codependency is we think we can save people. It makes us feel important and loved and safe and when we're in control. We just try to control everybody and how everyone feels. And we want to save these dudes or these women. And it's not our job. It's not our job to save people. And no one can save people except themselves. God, that's some heavy stuff, but it's real shit. And you know, that's what we do here. We just talk about the real shit. So I hope I covered some good stuff on this episode. 
I hope you will be be smart with dating um, and you will give dating time. I can't say this enough because it's just such an it's just such a strong message for me right now that I just think it's so important to take it slow with people because we don't know people right away. It takes time. It takes time, yo. So don't rush it because then it's a whole mess to get out of. And you could just take it slow and you won't even be falling into this hole if you just take it slow. But if we jump right in that love hole with them, then we have to fucking crawl out of it because we're like, shit, but I like, like, I think I'm in love, but you're not. And like, it's just, a, it's a mess. We don't want to keep doing this. No. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to please, if you like the show, you know, I always love when you guys write to me. Always. Please write to me. Love it. Um, leave me a good review, please, on Apple, on the iTunes. It's not iTunes, it's Apple Podcasts. I can't ever get it right. Um, please leave me a good review. Leave me some stars, write something, because it helps the podcast, like, be advertised, I think. Like, people will find it easier, and then more people can can find this. And if you are listening to an episode that you are loving, share it with a friend. Post it, if you're not afraid to do this, post it on your and your Instagram, tag me, be like, yo, I'm listening, this episode is awesome, I mean, you might be afraid to do that, because it's kind of like carrying a self-help book in public, (laughs) some people don't like doing that, so no worries if not, but it would be cool if you did, Um, I'm on the stereo app still, if you guys want to get on, you can actually hop on, and we can talk live, I would love to talk to you guys live, Um, I'm gonna put the times this upcoming week, I will be on stereo, the app, quite a lot. Um, I signed up for like 10 hours. So I will be on there and you can get on. You can ask me questions live. You can, we can chat. Like I had a listener hop on last week. It was awesome. And yeah, I'm kind of trying to make my, my platform on the stereo app um, around dating and um, also sex. I want to talk intimacy and healthy sexual sexual stuff so thank you guys for listening i will put the times and days i'll be on the stereo app live and you can download the app in the app store it is free it's cool you could still like just talk to people from all over um yeah join me there and i will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening love you so much take care